Welcome to Wrestling With Heart, a podcast looking at pro wrestlers giving back to their community. Join me, Stanley Carr, as I interview wrestling's hottest names who use their platforms as entertainers to raise awareness and do community service. Hello, and welcome to our second episode of Wrestling With Heart. This is a podcast talking about pro wrestlers giving back to their community, as well as people that have been involved in the wrestling business, helping out with different charities, helping out in the community, and just being being good people, doing good deeds. And today, we've got a very special guest with us. He is the founder and promoter of Southern Illinois Championship Wrestling. He's done it all. He's been in the business for 50 years, and we're going to speak today about SICW, and he's worked with so many legends. It's my honor to Welcome to the show, Mr. Herb Simmons. Herb, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Stanley. I appreciate the invite. And anytime that we can uh, come on to uh, these um, uh, outlets and talk about the business that we all had such a passion for, we're really uh, willing and able to do that. So where did you grow up, Herb? We'll start with that. Where did, where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, East St. Louis, Illinois, right across the uh, uh, river from downtown St. Louis, Missouri. And um, at an early, early age, uh, became uh, addicted to, like all of us had did, to professional wrestling. Um, the housing projects that I lived in, there was a, uh, a building uh, about two blocks from there called the Social Center. And they used to have uh, wrestling during the week there. And that's where I first met the people like Pat O'Connor, Cowboy Bob Ellis, mm-hmm. Luthez. Uh, and, you know, it, it just grew from there. My mother was a huge wrestling fan. And, um uh, uh, that was what we would uh, enjoy doing each week is, uh, you know, uh, if we couldn't go to the matches, we'd, uh, we'd watch them on TV. I guess it was very popular in, in the community and in school. Did you ever get to play, <laughs> play around with some of your friends? Well, you know, not so much that, but, you know, I, I knew at an early age that um, I wanted to somehow chase that dream. And like so many of us have, uh, so many of us, uh, people have chased it, but never did catch it. And I tell people mm-hmm. I was a fortunate one that I chased it and caught it and got to live it uh, by meeting who I consider was the greatest of all time. The uh, promoter for over 41 years, Sam Muchnick. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Louis was the hotbed of professional wrestling uh, for many years. And then, of course, my my good, dear, late friend, Larry Matasek, who was the he started working for Sam Muchnick when he was 16 years old. And didn't even have a driver's license. His uh, father would actually drive uh, drive him over to the office, and I was being his friend. I get to go with him sometimes and uh, sit in there and and listen to Sam have meetings with the likes of uh, Big Thunder, Gene Kaniski, or Whipper Billy Watson, uh, or the Funks and the Briscoes. And then later on in life, uh, they've worked for me. So um, it's uh, it's been a ride that I wouldn't wouldn't uh, exchange. Or everybody says, well, would there anything you would do over again and i said well the only regret i have is like larry used to always say my only regret is i can't redo it again you know no that's like an experience that you can't duplicate because you could only do it once you mentioned you were growing up as a fan like really what really got you hooked on to wrestling well the you know our uh our uh, society has always been based on uh good against bad uh, mm-hmm. good against evil and um uh, 
So I, I think that was the fascinating part about it here. You saw these two big <clears throat> grapplers in this uh, squared circle uh, and just going at it, throwing another one another around. And, um, you know, if you really got into it, you followed the storylines. And back then, of course, uh, before the toothpaste got out of the, to the tube, uh, you know, uh, and to this day, there are still fans out there that go to each and every show they can. They still love the enjoyment. Uh, they, what I find is they love the old school, as we call it, more so than the new modern day stuff. And I'm the same way. I, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I can barely, I, I can't even watch what is on TV nowadays. I mean, I'll put in an old tape of a uh, Dick the Bruiser against Ric Flair or uh, Dick the Bruiser against Bruiser Brody or uh, Jack Briscoe against uh, 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 Dory Funk Jr. And I can sit there and watch those type of matches all day long. Uh, and that's just everybody's preference. You know, I'm yeah. just old school, have been and always will be. But, uh, you know, I got hooked on it just the same as everybody else did. They enjoyed the, uh, got to boo the bad guys and cheer the good guys. And uh, you had your favorites. And, of course, you go to school and uh, some of your classmates would uh, talk about it. And, you know, there was always the macho ones that, ah, that's this, that's that. And, of course, they'd be the ones sitting over where their ears open and listen to you talk about how uh, uh, Rip Hawk or John Paul Henning or Cowboy Bob Ellis uh, beat this guy up. So Sam used to call those type of people closet fans, you know, they, they didn't want to admit they liked it, but they, they knew everything about it. You know, it was the talk of the town. And once you were invested in it, you wanted to watch the next episode. And yeah, it, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's, uh, it's what keeps you sitting on the edge of your seats. And to this day, you know, we still run shows every month, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes multiple times a month. And to see the fans sitting there on the edge of their seats or they're standing up cheering. And like I said, uh, giving the raspberries to the bad guys and getting on the referees because he didn't see something. Um, is what I tell them is, is for two, two and a half hours, I'm going to, I'm going to take you into the world to make believe. And yeah, uh, it's kind of like the wizard of Oz, you know, uh, uh, the man behind the curtain, you don't care who's behind the curtain. You just, you're just for two, two and a half hours. You don't care about what's going on exactly. other than some good entertainment. Um, and then I try to stand at the door at the end of the show at the night. And I thank people for coming and, and they'll tell me, they'll say, Mr. Simmons, just as we thought we had this figured out, you pull a rabbit out of your hat. And, uh, and, and that's what you like. You like when the fans keep coming back for more. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, and nowadays with our uh, cell phones and cameras, uh, I literally, our shows get over with between nine 30, 10 o'clock at night. And, by the time we've cleaned up and left the uh, auditorium of the building, they're posting pictures from our shows and they're sending me messages and, Hey, what's going to be next month's show? You know, you ought to do this. You ought to do that. So it's definitely uh, that that's when you got them hooked and that's what you really yeah. feel good. about. It's that suspense of disbelief. Like you mentioned with magic, you know, the, the magician is pulling the rabbit out of the hat and he's just, it's taking his, he's taking his time just to kind of showing people how he did the magic trick. And yet with pro wrestling, it's kind of similar. Exactly. And you take in the, you know, the, the, these fans buy into it and you make them a part of it. You make them feel like, Oh my gosh, we're actually sitting right here mm-hmm. at ringside. And, uh, and then with our TV, you know, we we're one of the few, uh, 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 independent promotions that do TV just like they did back in the old days. Uh, mm-hmm. In your opinion, you know, why do you feel St. Louis is such a hotbed uh, for professional wrestling? 
Uh, one person, Sam Muchnick. Uh, Sam Muchnick was the president. He was a sports writer. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, I've got all the uh, programs uh, from all those years that they used to send out to their fans. Uh, the oldest one I got goes back to 1934. Uh, but I've got all every show that ever took place, every card at the Keel Auditorium in St. Louis or the Chase uh, or the Checker Dome. I have all of those. Plus, I have every match that ever took place at St. Louis. If you want to know uh, how many matches Dick the Bruiser had or Bruiser Brody or Ric Flair, I can tell you how many, who he took on, who won, uh, what the attendance was at the Keel Auditorium. Wow. Um, so, you know, I, I got all that from uh, Sam. had got it from uh, Larry. got it from Sam when Sam passed away. Sam was the peacekeeper, as we called him, uh, when all these other uh, territories were part of the National Wrestling Alliance, the NWA. It was the uh, governing body. It was, yeah. And but Sam was the one that kind of controlled the championship belt at that time. Uh, but then when it would be uh, defended in some of these other territories, and you may have a couple of these other promoters not getting along, and they wanted this guy to have the title, or they, they wanted this guy to go up against this guy, and they'd get into a little feud, and Sam would be the one who would say, look, what's best for the business and uh, he would convince them what was best for the business and that's why he was so successful uh you know he was president a couple of different times but for mm -hmm. a total of like 41 years mm -hmm. and even after and even the, the period of time that he wasn't the president of the nwa the president that uh, would still confide in him would call him and pick his brain and hey i got this scenario what what would you do and and sam was kind of the godfather that uh, that held it all together and uh, Rick Flair told the story in his book that, uh, you know, if it wasn't for Larry Matasek, uh, he never would have got to St. Louis because, uh, they had sent a tape in and Larry and I was in the control room that day and Larry fell in love with him right away and said, man, this guy can sell some tickets. And of course, Pat O'Connor is a name you may have heard of, yeah, yeah. Uh, was the booker, uh, during that time. And he called him in the control room and, O'Connor said, ah, oh, he's too small. He'll never do any business here. And Larry called Sam at the office and said, hey, can you come down to the studio? Uh, he said, I want you to see something. And about a half hour later, Sam showed up and he watched about five minutes of flair in action. And he said, get a hold of Crockett and tell him I want him in St. Louis. And that's how Rick Flair got to St. Louis. Wow. Just so much. You're like a walking encyclopedia of just all things St. Louis wrestling. This is, that's so, so well, phenomenal. And it, well, and it was so And Sam, Sam's philosophy was as if two things. And I try to live by that to this day. He always told me, you treat the boys right. They'll treat you right. Mm -hmm. And if you give the fans a good product, the fans will continue to come back. And so February of next year will be my 50th year that I've lived by those two, two things that he told me. And of course I, I had the, the great pleasure because of Sam and more so Larry Matasek, uh, like I said, who started for him when he was 16 years old and he'd done everything from sweeping the floor at the office to, uh, writing, uh, some of the programs to calling in the results to the local radio stations after a big match when the Keel auditorium would sell out at 12,800 people, mm -hmm. uh, so he worked his way up. And then, of course, when Sam retired, he started his own promotion for, you know, just about a year. 
before Vince McMahon in 83 come in and bought the TV out from underneath him. Yeah. Of course, during that whole time, him and I was running these independent shows with guys like Bruiser Brody, uh, Dick Murdoch, Crusher Blackwell, Greg Valentine. Uh, You know, we, we had our own little uh, thing on the side going and, uh, and, and that's what we, what I keep doing to this day. I, uh, you know, you talk about giving back and that's what we've done for all these years is we work with nonprofit organizations to so be it the fire departments, police departments, uh, 501c3 organizations that try to raise funds. Uh, last year we raised $40,000 in one show for a fire chief Ooh. who was uh, diagnosed with uh, uh, throat cancer. Uh, we've got one fire department over eight years. We raised over $40,000 for, um, so, uh, and those are repeat customers that come back. We don't run around and knock on a door and say, Hey, we want to come into a wrestling show here. And, you know, we want to help, uh, those communities raise funds, especially after the pandemic. Uh, a lot of yeah. organizations couldn't hold their fundraisers. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, like last month, uh, we, we had five shows in one month uh of helping uh, people raise funds that had to have been just such a tough time for you guys too because you're an independent promotion and you know you're you're struggling to you know make money while people are losing their jobs and you have to have to find a way to kind of make ends meet well and you know on the independent market it's wrestling is not like a way everybody says well when will wrestling at the chase come back well uh and I have to be the bearer of the bad news to tell all of them. It's never coming back the way we remember it mm-hmm. because the people who made it so successful are not with us anymore. Sam Muchnick, uh, you know, all the names that I've been naming, the John Paul Hennings, the Johnny Valentines, Fritz von Erich. Those were the people who put the butts in the seats. And there just isn't any of them anymore uh, on the independent market. And I hate the word independent because I try to tell the guys and gals all the time. When you go to these states where they require you to be a licensed wrestler, it doesn't say independent wrestler. It says professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about independent, you know, you're kind of minimizing and you're kind of uh, uh, demoralizing your your statue in the business. So, yeah, but I but but it, it is it's kind of the, what they say to minor league. Uh, my guys are by far not the minor league. I got guys in my locker room been with me 20 plus years, uh, guys who were trained by Harley race. If you've heard that name. Yes. Yes. Very Uh, familiar with them. King of the ring. One of the, one of the greatest of all times. Uh, so I've got guys that were trained by him and, uh, they, they do a good honor to him when they're in the ring. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, one of those guys were in a steel cage match, uh, against, uh, the faces of fear uh haku and uh barbarian mm-hmm. uh great match you know uh a year or two ago one of those guys took on uh tommy dreamer <laughs> so oh wow uh, so you know i've had the fortune of being able to bring in those legends i mean we just had a show uh like i said with the faces of fear uh, yep. last month we had jerry lawler jimmy hart sergeant slaughter uh cowboy bob orton jr runs my mm-hmm. training academy for me yeah yeah uh, um I was part of giving Randy Orton his first uh, match uh, back about 22 years ago. That's crazy. Yeah. That's so so, cool. 
Yeah, I kid Bob Orton. I say, hey, tell Randy to send me a check, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> but no, Randy's a great guy. I remember yes. when he first started training. And then, of course, he, he uh, had his match with us in St. Louis. And then he went down to OVW and mm -hmm. uh, furthered his um, um, the rest is history. Wrestling there, yeah. Yeah, so uh, he, uh, but Bob runs my Ace Academy on Tuesdays and Thursday nights and uh, is doing real good of uh, training some of the new talent coming up. And, um, and that's what we need because uh, got to make, got to make room for the future. I know you mentioned earlier about some of the fundraisers that you guys have done. Tell me a little bit about, like, give me a few names of some of the people that you've worked, uh, worked with as far as like giving money and, and helping yeah. out. As far as the fundraisers, uh, uh, Missouri Athletic Club, uh, we've been there twice, uh, two years in a row now for them. Uh, the first year we had Ric Flair book their farm. Uh, he had to cancel. We ended up getting Ted DiBiase in about a 48-hour notice to come in and stand in. Yeah. But, uh, but they're an organization that uh, does a lot of uh, scholarships uh, for the, the people and for the youth. Uh, but the fire departments, the Swansea Fire Department, the Caseyville Fire Department, State Park Fire Department, um, uh, Dupo Fire Department, uh, the town of Millstadt, Illinois. We've been in there eight, nine years in a row farm. Uh, Belleville, uh, we just did a, the big show in Belleville for uh, an organization there. The, and like I said, uh, the fire chief, uh, we raised $40,000 for in one night show for him. Um, but again, we, you know, we advertise, uh, you know, if you're an organization uh, that is looking to raise funds, um, the thing that I think sets us apart too is we'll come in and sit down with you. And after we review what your needs are, we're going to tell you, we're not going to, because if we don't help you succeed in making money, you're not going to want us to come back. Right. And so, but I can tell pretty quickly if you've got an organization that is full of them and vigor that are going to take the bull by the horn and go out there and help promote it, help push the tickets. I'm um, working on one now. Uh, you know, they're wanting people like Sergeant Slaughter, uh, Jerry Lawler, JBL, people like that. Uh, and it's a big, big organization. It's doing that. Um, so if that comes off, that'd be a, a, a big one. Um, but uh, again, when you're talking about helping some of these organizations raise anywhere from 10, 20, 30, $40,000, um, it, uh, it makes you feel good when you know that money's going for a good cause. It's just so, you know, amazing to see that, you know, you've got all this passion for professional wrestling. And why do you feel passionate about, about what you do? You know, I, I loved it. It's, 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 I can sit and talk with the best of them about it because I've lived it. Um, I, I, I get accused from some of the opposition that, uh, that I want to control everything. No, I don't want to control anything. I, I want you as a promotion to do your thing. I have my opinion if you're doing it the right way or the wrong way. If you don't want to hear my opinion, don't pick up the phone and call me and say, Hey, uh, what should I do? Because if I'm going to take the time and the air, because I'm an old man, uh, I tell some of these younger guys, uh, I'll give you all the knowledge that I can give you. And it's up to you to take and decide if it works for you like it's worked for me. And I've got a couple of good friends that are promoters, uh, Scotty Z, who runs New Breed Wrestling down in uh, southern Missouri, in the Eldon, Missouri area, where Harley Race uh, basically made uh, his home. Uh, another guy, uh, Pat, uh, we call him the searcher, runs ACW. 
Um, those guys have what it takes to want to even do better than what they're doing now. And they'll call me and, uh, especially Scott will say, you know, I got this show I'm doing. Uh, I'd like to try to get to this point. Uh, any suggestions? And by gosh, I'll throw in my tooth and I'll always say, no, you don't have to do it, but this is what I would do. And he'll do it. And then he'll call me and say, boy, Herbie was right. It worked. The fans loved it. But then there are more of the other type of promotions that because they watch Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night on TV, they think they know it all, which is fine if that's yeah. what they want. Um, but, you know, we get uh, accused of because we do draw good. Uh, we give the fans the, the best quality product that we can give them for a, a reasonable price. Uh, we do a lot of advertisement of our shows. I don't know if you follow us on social media. Yes, but... yes. I got to say, um, I want to give a special shout out to uh, Lucky P. Larson. Uh, Esquire. Esquire. He, uh, he he's told a pain me. In my, he's a pain in my behind. <laughs> he, he, he told me that he commentates for SICW. So I checked out a few of the shows and I was impressed. I thought it was really awesome. Yeah, he does. Fantastic. Uh, he, um, I got to meet uh, Lucky uh, through my friend Bert Prentice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, when I was down there, as I told you, working, and uh, he's fit right into my uh, broadcast team here. Dr. Drew has been with me a long time, a young man that stumbled on to Larry Matasek and I back, oh, it seems like 20 years ago now, and we were promoting. Uh, Larry and I actually took uh, 12 volumes of the Wrestling at the Chase tapes that we have and uh, reproduced them on DVD, and we were putting them up on the market. And so Dr. Drew Evanhouse, uh, as we call him, uh, uh, came along and started helping out and learned a lot from Larry and um, has basically stepped right in where Larry had left off when Larry passed away. And mm. Drew's kind of my uh, right-hand guy. He, he puts all of uh, him and Lucky uh, work together. Where can people find more about you and SICW? Uh, you know, SICW.org. Uh, they can go on there. We uh, even have a little merchandise uh, store on there. They can order uh, some uh, items that we're putting on there slowly but surely, some uh, collectible items. Um, but I'm the easiest guy to find on social media under Herb Simmons, or they can go on YouTube, uh, SICW uh, Explosion. We're on, uh, have our own Roku channel uh, that they can catch us on. Well, Herb, uh, you know, we can talk so much about wrestling uh, and, and the tradition and history of the St. Louis territory, but I just want to say thank you very much for coming on and doing this uh, with me. It, me. it means a lot, and uh, I would love to have you on again sometime. Or anytime you, you need some time, Phil, just call me. Like I said, we can talk uh, yeah. about anything. If I can ever help you with getting anybody on, just to reach yeah, out to me. If you got something you need to fill, they'll be more than glad to do it. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. This is Wrestling With Heart. I hope you found this podcast to be informative and entertaining. If you did, please hit the subscribe button and look out for the next edition.